Good morning. Love you guys. All right. I'm going to be preaching out of Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. My main scriptures are going to be Romans chapter 4. Might even throw in some Romans chapter 5 just for Mark. I'm just joking. God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the ministry of triumphant grace. I want to thank you that you've put your voice in this place. I thank you, Father, that the glory that people experience in this place, it's your glory which has been put in earthen vessels. And I just thank you that you've allowed us such a privilege to partner not only with the gospel, but uh, to actually give you our lives as the greatest seed, Father. I thank you that you invested your life into this gospel. And I thank you that we have the privilege of investing ours. It's one of the greatest blessings, Father. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it's usually my week to minister, God is always faithful to give it to me. (laughs) Amen. This week was a long week. Didn't really have a lot of time to study, which none of that is, is relevant. But that's the thoughts in my head. So God is faithful. He's so good. He is. The impossibilities that He wants to do in this body, He wants to do it throughout everybody, but specifically dealing with this body. Because there's times when you're telling people something and they say, well, He wants to do that with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. But this is a direct word for us. The impossibilities that he wants to see done and to do in this body is going to set the example for other bodies. I really believe that. That he's moving us into a season of liberty that is unusual. It's unusual. This body here will experience signs and wonders and marvels that people will come in here and they'll say, this is just like the book of Acts. Amen. Because we are those people. There's no greater revelation that we could have than our righteousness in the Lord. Righteousness is one of the greatest things that we have. It's our right standing. And I was reading Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 about three months ago. And this is what jumped out to me. So Romans... Chapter 1, verse 16 is a very, very famous piece of Scripture. It's the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he starts out and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. He said, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So what is the power of the gospel that brings about salvation? According to verse 17, it would be the righteousness of God for in it. For when we understand our righteousness, the right standing we have with the Father, that's the power 
that produces salvation. It doesn't say in it salvation is revealed. It says righteousness is revealed. And because we're righteous, salvation is a byproduct of being right with God. You can't be right with God and not be saved. You can't be saved and not right with God. (laughs) Righteousness is the power inside of the gospel that produces salvation inside of us. That's what the Apostle Paul was not ashamed of. And he says that I counted my own righteousness as dung, the Scripture says. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a derogatory term. (laughs) But it is. The Apostle Paul said that my own righteousness I considered as dung that I may win Christ, being found in Him, not having any righteousness of my own. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He was dependent upon his right standing with the Father to be found in the Son. And that was the power of the Gospel, that the law couldn't make you righteous in God's sight. It could cover your sin, but it didn't have the ability to make you a son. You could be a good servant by keeping the law, but it didn't give you access to sonship. The power of the gospel is that when we've been made right with God, salvation is produced. That salvation gives you a right as a son, not as a servant. We've been free from legalism because we have another spirit that isn't religious. It's the spirit of God and it's the spirit of grace himself. Amen. So what is the power of the gospel? Righteousness. How did we get righteous? Let's read 17 again. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith made us righteous. The scripture says the just shall live by faith. Our faith gave us access to righteousness. Faith didn't originate inside of you. There was a time where we all were unbelievers, but we didn't have faith that he was the son of God. What happened? All of a sudden, we were introduced through the Holy Spirit, drawing our hearts to the Father, and all of a sudden, we had faith for something we've never believed for. When we accepted Jesus, his faith came inside with him. Because that's what the Apostle Paul said. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God because he lives in me. I don't frustrate the grace of God because if righteousness could have been obtained by the law, then Christ died for nothing or died in vain. If righteousness could have been obtained through works. And he's specifically saying, if you put you in that category, if righteousness could have been obtained through your works, then the death of Christ means nothing. If your work could obtain righteousness. And he said, I won't frustrate God's grace because my works can't make me righteous. The just shall live by faith. Okay, it was attributed unto Abraham because he believed God and he was justified. He was declared righteous. 
So we know that faith makes us righteous. Let's read Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, how do we have peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Christ in us. He's the hope of glory. Our peace, He's the Prince of Peace. And it says in the book of Isaiah, for the rule of His peace, there shall be no end. We have Jesus inside of us. And like when my dad had heart surgery, Mercy asked him because they were showing him a picture of the heart. It was like, it wasn't a picture, it was a mold of the heart. And they were, it's, it's the childlike faith. They were showing my dad and me and Heather and other family members were there, but Mercy in particular, she looked at the picture of the heart and she said, Dad, what part does Jesus live in? Because <laughs> we've always told her Jesus lives in your heart, but he just doesn't live in the heart. He actually possesses the whole man. He's in the spirit. Our spirit and the Lord's spirit becomes one. And when they become one, they can't be separated. The bond that the Holy Spirit is able to take our spirit and link it with God, there's no glue There's no mixture. There's no strainer that can separate the two of them because it's a perfect union. Because the blood of Jesus is what binds us. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, praise God that I can't mess up my peace with Him. I can't ruin it. You can't ruin it. Like you're always one with God because of Jesus. That he'll never disown you. He'll never say to you, you're not worthy. He'll always tell you you're more than enough because he was more than enough. Jesus was more than enough. He was sent as the lamb that was supposed to purchase not only our freedom, but everything else that we would ever need in life. That when the thief's caught, he's supposed to repay sevenfold. That no longer can the enemy steal from us. He's not allowed to devour us because the one who watches over us is greater than our adversary. He's under our feet. Amen. All right. Because we have peace with God through Jesus, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 1 and 2 again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, catch it, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access. By whom also we have access. What's he talking about? By Jesus. By Jesus, we have access by faith into the grace that we're now standing in. What does faith give us access to? Grace. Salvation is a byproduct of righteousness. How did we get saved? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. The faith that you have to access grace is a gift that made you righteous, that purchased your salvation. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. See, when I was born, I was born after the similitude of someone other than God because I was born into sin. I wasn't a sinner because of sin. I was actually born a sinner. It's what I did. It's what I lived for. But when I came to God, I was created anew in Christ. You were created new in Christ. Because that's what it says. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We're saved by grace. Grace gave us access to faith. Faith made us righteous. Righteousness is the power of the gospel. Did you see that? See, because faith will always point to righteousness. Righteousness will always point to grace. Grace will always point back to faith. They're the three building blocks of the Christian life. You can't be saved by works, but somehow we have been known, the church at large, not us, we have been known saying that if you have enough faith, then you could be saved. But you can't be saved without grace because it's the gift of God. But what if the faith, the grace, and the righteousness was all given to us freely in a person? And that's in Jesus. What if we didn't have to work for faith? What if we just had to rest in it? What if we didn't have to believe for righteousness? We just had to understand what it was. What if grace was a byproduct of being a son? What if just being a son gave you all grace because you're born into a family? And this family that we've been born into isn't like any other family that we've ever known outside of the Lord. It'll never judge you. It'll never kick you out. It'll never belittle you. And it'll never tell you you're not loved. It'll never remind you of your past. It'll always tell you of a better future. That's the family that we've been born into. This is the grace that we have access to because of faith, because of righteousness, the righteousness that we find in Christ, which is the power of the gospel. That's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because I understand that it's the power of God unto salvation for in it, I've been declared righteous. You have been declared righteous. And the just shall live by faith. And it says from faith to faith. That means that what I carry is ever increasing. Our faith is ever increasing. We have an endless measure when we start. But how to access what's been put in us takes practice. Practice makes perfect. It does. Because in practice, you learn what's not going to work and what actually does. Amen. You learn how to perfect your craft. 
And I say yours because his faith has now been given to you. So now you perfect what's already inside of you. You learn to bring it out in a perfect measure. Amen. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works or declared righteous by the law or by works because the law wasn't actually instituted at this time, but it's still referring to works that Abraham would have did in the sight of God to make him righteous. Okay? What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what said the scriptures, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. When Abraham believed God, what was he believing God for and why did he choose to believe God? God appeared unto Abraham and said, Behold, Abraham, I'm your great reward. Abraham says, What will you give me then, seeing that this servant child is going to inherit everything that I own? And God said that he was going to give him a son. Abraham believed God, that God was his reward. And because God was his reward, he was going to give him a son. And when Abraham believed that, he was declared righteous. Somebody else was going to inherit everything that we ever did. The work of our hands would have been vanity because at the end of our lives, it would have perished with us. But God made a promise to us. Not that he was going to give a son, but that he did give us a son, his son. And by believing that, we've been declared righteous because we're operating with the same faith that Abraham operated with. It was the word that came to him from God that he put his trust in. Jesus was the word made flesh that dwelled among us, but now lives in us through the operation of the Holy Spirit. When we put our faith in that word, that we are righteous, that we are born again, that the blood of Jesus is much more valuable than any gold, than any works, than anything you can offer to God, that he made one offering that made you perfect forever, that made you a child forever, that nothing can take away your salvation. Nothing. Then at this point now, we're operating by the faith of Abraham because he received the promise of the Son. Verse 3. For what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not paid by grace, but of debt. That means that if I did something to make myself righteous, God, you owe me. How vain is that? How corrupt is that? That we could tell the creator of the universe, you owe me. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Should the lump of clay say to the potter, why did you make me like this? <laughs> because the potter has power over the clay to form it however he wants. And our potter, 
formed us in the image and fashioned us in the image of his own son (laughs) and said, you are supposed to be in this earth exact duplicate of who he is. Because Jesus represented the Father. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it said that He is the express image of God. And we are the express image of Him. I added the expressed image of Him. We are the express image of Jesus we're supposed to be. Well, Brother Steve, I miss it. I miss it a lot. I've been struggling in this area. And, you know, I really don't feel like I'm qualified to share Jesus. I've never known someone who was sick not pray for somebody else. And it's like sometimes when we fall short or we fail, we tell ourselves, I'm not worthy. So we make it about us because Jesus is always worthy. If we make it about Him and our failures, we'll share Him all the more. It's like you having a chain around your foot and you have the ability to open the door for the other person, but because of your chain, you're just going to let them stay bound too. (laughs) That's not love. It's not. But that's the way that we've been taught that if we have any sin in our life, then God won't use us. Well, we had sin in our life when God saved us. (laughs) If he was willing to save us with sin in our life, trust me, he'll use you. He'll use you. He'll be happy to do it. And then as you actually press to get other people free, you'll find that you've become more freer. Because the emphasis wasn't on where you're bound. It was actually setting people free. You were focusing on Jesus. I've never been free focusing on my sin. I haven't. And when I bring it to God in the past, He wouldn't even answer me on it. The Scripture would keep coming to my mind. I remember it no more. As far as the East is from the West. Like, why would I allow the enemy to torment me with the thought of something that I did outside of Jesus when I've been placed in him? And the blood of Jesus covers all my sins and it cleanses my conscience from dead works. That means you work to dead work. The blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from dead work so that you can serve the living God. So even if you have a dead work, the blood is already applied there and now you can still serve God. But if we believe the lie that we're unworthy, we were never worthy. We've been made righteous. Now we're worthy because of the blood of Jesus has made us worthy. Now we have faith because it was given to us. Jesus was knocking at the door and he said he had a plate full of faith, like cookies. And when we opened it, he came in and he brought his cookies with him. Now we get to experience the goodness of what righteousness actually tastes like because of His grace towards us. What it actually means to be loved as a child that I can't disqualify myself from this grace because the Father is the one who placed me there. That I've been made righteous and I forever will be. Verse 5, But to Him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, that declares righteous the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness, believing that God justified me when I was ungodly will actually produce the fruit of righteousness in my life. 
even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, man, you don't understand how that's what he's talking about. When he says, even as David also described the blessedness, how blessed is the man unto whom God gives righteousness apart from works. He says that we are blessed that we could be called righteous before we ever did a work because we believed the Word, which was Jesus. Saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. If He's not going to impute sin, that means you had to sin. Because it can't be imputed because of what? Jesus. Because of righteousness. Because of our faith, which was given to us when we accepted the Son. See, a lot of Christians will say, you know, the Holy Spirit was really convicting me of that sin. I mean, I've said it. So, I mean, a lot of Christians would include myself. I was really convicted of what I did. You know, the Holy Spirit, once we're born again, never convicts us of sin. Never. Foreign concept, yes. This I know. (laughs) Very, very foreign. Steve, that's blasphemous. How could you say that? I was convicted this morning. (laughs) It wasn't Jesus. (laughs) It was your conscience. (laughs) Your conscience is given to you by God to convict you, to actually move you to a place The Holy Spirit doesn't convict us. Do you know what the word convict means? It means to declare guilty. If you're convicted of a crime, you're actually declared guilty. Let me read the scripture first. Because I've already read it this morning. So, (laughs) Okay, we're going to start in John chapter 16, verse 13. How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He's receiving something from Jesus and he's showing it to us. Okay, let's back up to verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not of me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and he says, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So here, the operation of the Holy Spirit is doing three different things. He's reproving the world of sin, because they believe not on me. He says, of righteousness, Because I go to the Father and you shall see me no more. Different person, different people. It's referring to the church. And then he says, of judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands judged. That word convict, he shall convict the world of sin. And then it says, and of righteousness, 
which is pertaining to us, and of judgment, it's actually convince in the Greek. And any time that we ever miss it and sin, when our conscience actually tries to condemn us or convict us as guilty, 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 the Holy Spirit is actually convincing us of righteousness in that time. He's reproving the world of sin because of unbelief. He's actually convincing us of our righteousness. And he's convincing the devil of judgment. He said, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, judged. When I blow it, when you blow it, do you ever need a reminder that you missed it? (laughs) You need a reminder that you're righteous. That's the work of the Holy Spirit when we blow it, is that he is convincing us because we've been tried in Jesus and we've been convicted as righteous. Amen. We're one with the Father. Like, if you lock me up, you got to lock him up too. (laughs) And you're not strong enough. (laughs) So you might as well just let me go because I got the blood on my side. I got the Holy Spirit on my side and I got the Father on my side. And you think the reality of it is that God was birthed as a man. God went through hell on earth to get to us, and then He went through hell literally just for us. Is there anything that He won't do for us on our behalf? Look at the extent that He went through just on the cross all to get to us. All for us. See, He didn't need to be made right with God. He already was. He was the Son of God already. He already had peace. He was with the Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Everything Jesus did in His earthly ministry, even dying, was all for us. It's because we really are that valuable to the Father. We are. God is so good. (laughs) He is. I was having a conversation with my cousin Jesse And we were just talking, we were just fellowshipping. And and that's what he said. He said, well, if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of sin, what does he convict us of? I said, of righteousness. And he said, well, where does the conviction for sin come from? I said, our own conscience. Our own conscience does that. And it even says that if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. He knows that condemnation doesn't belong in the heart of a believer that we've been made righteous. And in the place of righteousness is sonship. That we're kings and priests now. That we're meant to rule and to reign in Christ or with Christ. The Scripture says that we're co-heirs with Him. A co-heir means an equal inheritor. You mean that I inherit on Jesus' level? Yeah, because Jesus was righteous. And when I accept what he did on my behalf, I inherit the same thing he did. I mean, it's amazing. See, if we focus on building our faith, we miss relationship. But if we focus on building our relationship, faith is just a byproduct of spending time with the Lord. 
You can't spend time with him and not come away feeling like you have a greater power or a greater revelation of who he is. Because with him comes his faith. Jesus said, you know, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and died. And he said, Moses isn't the one who gave you the manna, but my father. And he said, I am the true bread of life, which came down from heaven. That if a man eats of me, he shall never die. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ate of Jesus? You shall never die. You have everlasting life. One time event. You eat them once, you live forever. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we have eternal life right now. Because we are righteous, it gives us access to relationship. If we build our relationship, if we focus on relationship and fellowship with the Father, faith will be a byproduct of that relationship. It won't be a struggle to receive it. It won't be a struggle to grow it. Before you know it, you'll be walking on water. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All things are possible to him who believes. Amen. I believe it. I believe if I needed to walk on water, I could. I believe that if I was trying to impress somebody because I could walk on water, I couldn't. Because it's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. <laughs> that would be tempting God. Amen. How's it feel to be righteous? How's it feel? Feels good, don't it? Don't you feel clean? <laughs> I feel like I've been clean on the inside and it's just showing up out here. <laughs> God is good. He is. God is faithful. But I love you guys. You guys are so righteous. Amen. You are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sin no longer has dominion over us because we're not under the law. Amen. See, outside of Christ and the blood of Christ, sin has dominion over you. In the blood, sin loses its dominion because sin could keep you captive outside of Christ. But even if you sin now, you're still free to go because of the blood. Amen. Amen. That's a marvelous thing, ain't it? It is. Does it make you want to go and sin? No. <laughs> you miss the whole message if it does. <laughs> when we awake unto righteousness, sin is no longer an issue. And when we continue in relationship, faith is a byproduct of it. It really is. It's grace. Faith will always point to righteousness. Righteousness will always point to grace. Grace will always point to faith. Faith will always point to righteousness. It's like the three building blocks of our Christian life. It's what it's founded on. It's not on works. It really is on rest. That we rest in the finished work of Jesus. That we've been made complete. That the enemy, the world, and usually a lot of people around us will try to tell us that we're not complete. It's like I was telling a lady that I was given a ride and I just asked if she had kids and she said no and you could hear it in her voice that she was disappointed. And I told her, I said, you know, people think that if I have kids, it will complete me. I said, well, if you think that and you have kids, you're really going to mess them up because you're looking for them to fulfill something inside of you where you feel like you're lacking. If you believed you were incomplete in Christ, then you would try to add works to it. You would do as much as you could to try to complete yourself. 
That's most Christians right now. You're complete right now. So whatever you give birth to will be out of being complete. You won't have the ability to mess it up because you're not doing it to get complete. You are complete. You're not lacking anything. You guys are whole in Christ. Amen? Lord Jesus, we just thank You. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for the gift of faith. and We thank You for Your righteousness. We thank You that all three of them work in union to point to You, Jesus. Because You're the grace that came down. You're our righteousness. And it's Your faith. So we just thank You that we get to have part of it. (laughs) Part in what You're doing, Father. We're just so grateful. I ask You to bless this body. I ask You that this body would become strong in identity, Father. That nothing could move them out of their place of rest. That they would be stubborn as mules. That they refuse to work in order to achieve anything in You. That it comes from a place of rest because we're righteous. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.